and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, this is your host, Brother Frank with The Remnant Call. Glad to have you back here for another exciting episode. And when I say exciting, I mean it because one of the favorite people I've ever had on the show, Mr. Brad Huddleston, is going to be on with us to share some insight into this guy is a specialist at working with technology addictions, not only with people, but also in schools with children. And he's got some connections, and I want to share a little bit about that here with you tonight as we bring him on. But just a few things real quickly. Uh, last week, um, we had a show on the Sons of Zadok, and I explained to a lot of you the reason the Remnant Call had had a break for a few weeks because of my wife and the things that had gone on. But folks, good news it's still everything is doing good, and I appreciate all the cares and concern for those who pray for my family, pray for us. And, folks, it's people like you that honestly help keep me going in this ministry. When I see that there's people that are reached, when I know that there's people that are won over for the kingdom, folks, that's what this life of being a believer is all about. The day you stop sharing with others, the day you quit reaching out, folks, is the day you begin to die. God gives us a gift, and he wants us to share it with others. And if you want to experience joy being a believer, then share Jesus with someone who needs it. Well, with that, I'm going to talk about my guest that's coming on tonight, Brad Huddleston. He is an internationally respected speaker, consultant, teacher, and author on the important issues such as technology and culture. He has worked with universities, schools, churches, and law enforcement and spoken to tens of thousands around the world on both the advantages of well-used technology tools and the dangers of growing trend toward technology addiction. Brad has an ongoing collaboration with the Bureau of Market Research and the Neuroscience Division at the University of South Africa. Brad has a degree in computer science and a diploma of biblical studies and is a credentialed minister in the Acts 2 Alliance movement in Australia. He also a frequent guest on radio and television and author of the great and excellent, highly recommended book, Digital Cocaine, A Journey Towards Eye Balance and the Dark Side of Technology, Restoring Balance in the Digital Age. Brad and his wife, Beth, live in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia in the United States, and he just happens to live not too far away from me. And so with that, I'm going to bring on our guest here tonight, Brother Brad Huddleston. Brad, are you here with me? I sure am, Frank. It's so good to hear your voice, brother. Really good to hear you. God bless you, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on. And folks, we talked a little bit and realized that Brad, he lives about probably around 45, 50 minutes away, but he used to be my neighbor just right over the, probably the other <laughs> side of the hill where I'm at for uh, some years back. So Brad, anytime you want to move back up this direction, come on back. You're welcome up here. Well, I'll tell you what, I really, really miss that area, Frank, and you're blessed to still live there, I'll tell you. And uh, 
I, I've actually prayed about that before. I, I would love to move back, and we'll just have to see if that's in God's plan. I sure, I sure wish it were. Amen, brother. We lo- love it up here, and and uh, it's you know I like to say this is God's country, but yeah. <laughs> I think everybody likes to say that wherever they live. But uh, it's been a real blessing, Brad. We haven't had you on in quite a long time, and um, you we've talked in way back. I don't know; it's been over a year at least, Brad, since you've been on. But you have had some recent uh, updates here that's going on. Brad, you specialize, I know, in technology addictions, and we briefly spoke about it on some other programs, but there's something going on right now. There's a game that's basically taken our children by storm. Taken, uh, apparently, it's taken adults by storm, too. It's called Fortnite. But there's been some developments. People are starting to wake up and realize just how bad this is going. Yeah, that's right, Frank. And I'll go back to 1942 before technology had an impact. The cigarette industry had ads out, and I often show in my presentations an ad from 1942. It's a poster that said, uh, more doctors prefer camel cigarettes than any other cigarette. And they, I also show a television commercial where doctors are saying when they need a break, when they need to de-stress, they go into their offices and there are stressful days, and they smoke cigarettes. And indeed, the cigarettes were providing stress relief. What happens whenever you stimulate your brain, in this case with tar and nicotine, uh, the, the brain releases dopamine. It's a neurotransmitter. We call it the happy chemical, that in serotonin. But the one that we're talking about today is dopamine. And that stimulation from the tar and the nicotine would cause stress relief because the dopamine feels good. So the doctors would also recommend that pregnant women would smoke cigarettes. And indeed it worked that, you know, I've never been pregnant, thank God, but I understand from ladies that it's pretty uncomfortable at certain stages. And so what they would do is smoke the cigarettes. The tar and the nicotine would stimulate the brain. The brain would secrete dopamine just just like any other drug or any other activity. And not all activities that we do are sinful, uh, but in the case of the cigarettes, what was happening, there were unintended side effects, unintended consequences that they didn't know. And of course, we know now that it was cancer. And so it took about 40 years, Frank, for public perception to change because the doctors had laid the groundwork that this was good, that it was good for you and healthy. And indeed, what they claimed about stress relief worked. And so it took a long time with a lot of court cases. Fast forward to today. We are stimulating our brains in a hyper fashion, which is way more than cigarettes. We're up at the levels of dopaminergic response of, say, heroin and cocaine. And indeed, uh, when you scan the brains of people who have crossed over into digital addiction and you scan the brains of people who are actually addicted to heroin and cocaine, the brain scans of a, of a, of a digital addict and a cocaine addict are nearly identical. And in some cases, depending on which digital activity they've been doing, it's, it's heroin addiction. So with Epic, Epic is a company that, that owns Fortnite. They, they also have developed quite a number of other video games, but of course Fortnite is their top seller and, and what everyone is concerned about. Well, as it turns out, we know, this is no big secret, that uh, Epic has hired or in the development of their game, as many game developers do, they hired uh, people who specialize in the release of dopamine, psychologists, people who understand how uh, gamification works and how the systems of rewards work and how to manipulate the reward system of the brain. Basically what that means is they are purposely creating large amounts of dopamine 
to create pleasure, which then in turn gets people hooked, which in turn keeps them playing, which means they have to keep paying, which is the bottom line, is to pay for the game. So uh, two parents, uh, they uh, parents now in this litigation, they didn't name them because it's, you know, it's in a legal state, so they don't release too many details. But what we do know is that these are parents of a 10 and a 15 year old, respectively. So these are Canadian, it's a Canadian family, and they have taken Epic Games to court uh, in a potential class action lawsuit uh, because of the purposeful creation of an addictive game. And what they're alleging is that it's creating cocaine-like addiction in the brain. Now, this is not going to come to a surprise to you or people that I've been speaking to for years. I named my book Digital Cocaine three years ago um, because this comparison to cocaine always comes up because of these brain scans. So after the, the litigation got rolling in the Canadian court, a bunch of other families have jumped on board because they see the exact same addiction in their children. So what we have watched is a progression where parents love the games, they love the tablets for their children because it babysits them, keeps them out of their hair, but then it gets to a point, a tipping point, where the anger and the aggression, the sheer addiction where the children won't even, in some cases, go to school, they cannot cope in society anymore, and the only way, the only way to calm them is to allow them to play the game. So... Some of the children have crossed over that far into the addiction, just like any coke addiction or any heroin addiction, where they cannot function, which by definition, uh, the definition of addiction is once you cannot perform the normal duties of life, then you can be classified as addicted to that substance. Where people have a hard time with the virtual world, meaning cell phones, uh, tablets, video games, etc., it is not – it's an intangible it's, in other words, it's not a physical cigarette. It's not a physical powder. However, stimulation is stimulation. So the delivery mechanism for cocaine would be through the nose. Cigarettes would be through the lungs. Those chemicals get directly into the bloodstream. They go into the nucleus accumbens of the brain, which is the pleasure center. It stimulates it. Two areas of the brain secrete this dopamine, and you feel the high from it. Well, in the case of video games, in the case of texting, social media, pornography, etc., the delivery simply becomes the eyes. And that goes into the back of the head, and where the eyes are controlled, stimulation happens, and dopamine gets released into the pleasure center of the brain, and the very same addiction occurs. So stimulation is stimulation. We're starting to see now, just like the cigarette industry suffered some <laughs> some setbacks with, with litigation many years ago, we're seeing that starting to happen now with technology because of the purposeful creation of addictive games. So I want to conclude by saying this to your audience. I did not come on your program, nor do I go on any other media outlets around the world to condemn parents. I really honestly, Frank, do not believe for one second that parents have purposely created this addiction in their children. Now, from the video game makers and other technology developers who incorporate these things, these variable ratio reward schedules into their technologies, they definitely are trying to get us hooked. There's a company, for example, called Dopamine Labs, where you take your app, and through neuroscience, they do a lot of manipulation of the app to maximize the dopamine output. They are definitely trying to use these marketing techniques, neuromarketing techniques, to get us hooked. But I don't want parents to think I'm condemning them. I don't want them to feel like there's no hope. 
They did not do this on purpose. Now, they've done it, but not on purpose. And there's a, there's a huge difference between people who purposely abuse people and when things were done inadvertently with unintended consequences. And so I put parents into that category. That said, once you become aware of what you're doing, then you become accountable and you need to take responsibility for it. That's what these parents have done who have taken this to court. So that was a long answer, but I hope I've been clear, Frank, that number one, they are chemically addictive. This is not a metaphor. Number two, I'm not here to condemn parents or anyone else. And then thirdly, and we'll get to this toward the end, there are solutions. We can be uh, set free from this. There are spiritual terms that you and I as Christians would use, like you can be delivered, set free. In a more clinical sense, we use words like detox. Spiritually, we we would call that repentance. <laughs> but there is hope, and the brain scans actually show reversal when people do those things, meaning repent and detox. So hang in there with us, uh, audience. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to help you, and there's a lot of solutions that we'll be offering as well. I agree wholeheartedly, Brad. Thank you for that. But And I want to kind of get into what you were talking about, these children moving to that point of where they're almost non-functional and you're talking about cigarettes and we've seen now with the whole vaping thing that the amount of uh, pleasure and um, nicotine they're able to deliver at a higher rate we've already seen that vaping is actually everybody thought it was wonderful and now it's killing people it's horrible what what's happening because of the amount of uh, stimulant that through nicotine uh, that can be delivered uh, at a very short period of time to people. And Brad, you yourself have been involved uh, with the University of South Africa and their neuroscience department, and you've talked about you know how how the neuroscience. And I want you to explain to the audience because it not only deals with games uh, and 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 this kind of stuff, but it with with um, your telephones, with your uh, whether whatever form of addiction it's coming through that with your son, what takes you from that phase through neuroscience of being just where it's something that you do to almost like a zombie-like state? And folks, if you've seen these children that are into uh, their games and everything, it becomes a zombie-like state, just like you see those who are walking around not paying attention to the world, walking into traffic because they're on their phones not noticing. Brad, share with us what the science is that's actually truly happening that's causing this. Sure. Frank, in the, in the reward circuit of the brain, which is about in the center of the brain, there's this area that we derive pleasure. And so the nucleus accumbens, as I've already mentioned, or the pleasure center of the brain is, is what's in question. What happens when we stimulate that part of the brain, we receive pleasure, and not all activities that we do are sinful – that are pleasurable. I'm actually enjoying, before you and I started this podcast, you and I were praying, and we, we were sharing some personal things and different things, and, and that sort of koinonia, which is the Greek word for fellowship, is so vitally important. Uh, if, you, if you enjoyed that like I did, Frank, our brains were receiving dopamine, and, and there's no problem with that until you get too much. So there are two classifications of activities and, and I'm not being spiritual at this point because there's a third one when you're spiritual. You have to add a sinful activity. But let's just be neurobiological. Activities that do not involve digital, the digital domain are called analog. Now, for those of us who have been around the IT industry for a long time, we clearly know, and for radio broadcasting myself, analog and digital. 
two different domains. Analog is non-digital, which means the pace is slower. The brain can cope with the analog world very, very well. It's slow-paced. It's natural. The brain is not in, in any artificial environment, and it copes quite well. The chemistry in the brain is not hyper-stimulated, which means you are interacting with your environment, with other people, with, with a normal emotion, a normal chemistry. Once you hyper-stimulate the brain, either through a virtual world or through artificial stimulation, as we know as drugs, the brain has to then go into overload to cope with that. Now, what it's doing in the case of too much dopamine, there's an enzymatic chemical response that's very complex, but in its simplest form, what it's doing, it's building a chemical barrier around the pleasure center of the brain trying to protect it. And we call that building up resistance. So an alcoholic, for example, did not start off being an alcoholic. Let's say they come home from work. So a man comes home from work from a very stressful day, and he just decompresses with a couple of beers. Now, he's not an alcoholic at this stage. But what decompresses him or the doctors that used to go on camera and smoke during their breaks, what's decompressing them? Whether well, artificially stimulating the brain with alcohol, that's a stimulant, or with the tar and the nicotine, the brain secretes dopamine, and then you get the relief. So it's not actually the alcohol that you're feeling. You're feeling dopamine. Well, at those artificially high levels of dopamine, you can handle that an adult can for a short period of time with no harm. But if you keep doing that, the brain starts to defend itself by building up resistance. And that's this barrier that I keep talking about. It's a chemical enzymatic type reaction where the brain is trying to filter out and push out all the extra dopamine to keep the excessive amounts from getting in because it's trying to keep itself from getting addicted and overstressed. Well, we don't like to stop. The, the feel-good that comes from all of these things or those high uh, emotions feels so good that we just override it by drinking more, smoking more, playing video games more. And the more you do it, the thicker that wall gets. So the catch-22 is you can overcome this resistance in the brain to keep feeling it feeling it or feel the high, but the wall gets bigger or the, the chemical barrier gets bigger. So you have to do the activity longer, harder, more intensely to shock the system to get more of the dopamine in there just so you can keep feeling it, and that's what addiction is. It's that constant, repetitive, do the activity longer, harder, and more intensely to continue just to feel. So you go from two beers to three. Because two doesn't do it anymore. Now you can feel it if you drink three beers. Over time, your brain keeps building up resistance. Three beers don't do it anymore, so you drink four. And I think you get the progression here. Over a period of time, you end up drinking six or seven. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting any more drunk. You just have to keep upping that, uh, that much alcohol to get more and more dopamine so you can just feel it. And if you want to get drunk, then you have to binge. You may have to get liquor. You have to move to something, in other words, very strong to shock the system to get large, large quantities of dopamine. By far, the activity on the Internet that produces the most chemical reaction is pornography. So we put it in two different categories in the virtual. When comparing to traditional drugs, it's either cocaine or heroin, depending on the activity. But with porn, it's set out by itself as a polydrug effect. It's as if the brain is receiving cocaine and heroin mixed. It's that, that the wall of tolerance is so big. And so what ends up happening in order for you to continue to feel 
you have to get more deviant in your watching of pornography, and then the brain starts to change. So at its simplest form, what you're doing, you have to talk about neurobiological consequences of hyperstimulating. It gets out of control. And one of the best ways I can describe what goes on in the brain in terms of addiction, the reward circuit of the brain that I've been describing, the nucleus accumbens or the pleasure center, is where the accel- you can liken that to the accelerator or the gas pedal in the car. You mash the gas pedal. Gasoline goes into the engine, it revs it, and if you're a guy, a normal guy, you like to go fast. I do, and I like amusement parks. That feels good. The part of the brain that where the brakes reside would be right behind your forehead, and that's called the prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain where you can understand the consequences of your behavior. So that's the part of the brain that says, okay, you've had enough. It's time to switch it off. It's time to go to bed, cut back on this. And that's the limiting factor of the brain. But once addiction sets in, the accelerator or the gas pedal gets stuck, and it's putting all this dopamine in the brain, but the brakes fail. So in the brain, what is happening once you hyperstimulate it over a period of time, you are producing all this dopamine, but you have no brakes to stop it. And that's what addiction is, the inability to stop while the gas pedal is mashed. So the activity that these kids are involved in that have them literally incapacitated where they can't function is Fortnite. Minecraft is just as bad. There just hasn't been any litigation. But Minecraft has been peddled as an education game. And I should also mention, Frank, that it's been tested now. The brain does not distinguish content. What that means is just because a game is labeled educational or an app is labeled educational the brain is not filtering that out and giving the brain a pass and saying okay you can do all the educational software you want and apps and video games and i won't get you addicted but you you can't do Fortnite. that's bad for you you have to lump both together so in other words for those of uh, you who are listening to this podcast and you're educators you would know what mathletics is mathletics in other words is just as addictive as Fortnite. So that puts another pressure on parents who have justified the use of the tablets and the games and putting education apps on their phones to hand it to the child. You are still getting them addicted, and that's what's happening in the brain. That child is building up resistance just like an alcoholic. But the difference is, Frank, and what is scaring those of us who study this, a child's brain is underdeveloped. It is extremely fragile. And it's in critical stages of development, and when you hyperstimulate a child's brain with technology or any other drug for that matter, you are interrupting things that cannot be undone outside of a miracle. And so what we're saying is when it comes to any technology use, even the safe, safer things, nothing's 100% safe, let those children pass through those stages of development in, in an analog world. And wait until they're between 12 and 14 years of age before they ever see a screen, including television. And that, what I just said, is so radical. And it is so far out there because of the pressure from the culture that people look at me as though I have a second head perched upon my shoulder. But here's the rub for those of us who study this scientifically. People who hear me say that think I'm extreme and unbalanced. But those of us who look at the brain, And what is happening with Fortnite and Minecraft inside of the brains of these children 
We think it's extreme for parents to give the child cocaine and heroin. So there's a battle. Does that make sense? Absolutely does. And, and you know, just another note on that. And, uh, folks, I, I'm wholeheartedly sold out on what Brad says. Let's just – and I know we want to focus on this in just a little bit, but when it comes to reading the Word of God, folks, I'm telling you right now, pick up that old-fashioned Bible. It's a proven fact that you retain more when you actually read from a book versus reading electronically. And Correct. when you want to study Amen. the Word, and I, I listen, I'm the first person who needs, loves my Bible study tools, right, and cross-referencing and all that. But, Brad, I know the value of actually picking up that book and reading it from there. The retention is better. It stays longer because the technology, when reading from a screen, and that's why I'm against these schools, that they've based how great their school is on how much technology they can shove down your children's throat. And so everything's on a, on a digital tablet, on something like that, uh, in order for them to read and, and to study and to do everything. I'm, I'm fully against that. Me too. Absolutely. I was at an education conference in Pennsylvania now. Fortunately for me, the groups that I speak for around the world who bring me in, they're, they're having me come in because they agree with me. So it's not uh, – it, it's the it's when I'm doing tours with law enforcement and I'm in government schools, when I start to say these things, that I get the most pushback. But it always boils down to, Frank, the gifting of the teacher. Nothing will ever take the place uh, of of the gift of a human being transferring knowledge from human being to human being. Now, that said, you can supplement uh, with with a whiteboard, and I wholeheartedly recommend against any schools having tablets, Chromebooks, etc. Because what's happening around the world, and as you know, I go into schools all around the world. What is happening the moment you put technology in the hand of the child, and the teacher turns her or his back, that child does everything but the educational assignment on that device. So what I recommend is, first of all, don't let any whiteboard or tablet or anything be seen by a child until they're between the ages of 12 and 14. And then in the classroom, only an unaddicted teacher using a whiteboard supplementing no more than 20% of the class time with video supplementation or a picture to illustrate something. If they exceed that, that child's brain will be on overload. But keep the technology out of the hand of the child. They are not mature enough in their brain to handle that without getting distracted. And so we're in a quagmire because we have all these schools around the world doing that. But I can also tell you, I just was just in Australia. I go there every year for several months at a time. Australia has logs more time in the classroom with tech than any nation on earth. They're starting to take it out in many of their higher class schools that implemented it and were early adopters and spent all this money, and it has been nothing but a colossal failure. And so you're starting to see cracks around the world where many schools are taking it out and reversing it. America, because we were late to this technology game, even though we invented it, most of it here in Silicon Valley, the early adopters were the other countries. America is still on that upward slope of implementing it thinking we can solve this problem, but so far I haven't run into any schools in this country that, that have. But at this education conference, um, you know, I was just saying to to the group that we, we've got a serious problem on our hands because even the schools who want to do the right thing by taking it out or limiting 
using neuroscience's definition of limit, not a parent's definition. But keeping the technology out of the lower grades, only in the upper grades, and and really keeping it to under 20% of any given class time and all that, the children are are just turned loose with it at home, all they want, and so they come to school pre-addicted, and no matter how well the schools manage their technology, it always gets undermined because of the kids coming in because the parents do not do the same thing as the school. So in the education system, we, we have a, a problem. The grades around the world are going down, and that's from the schools who have implemented the technology. And so to summarize this and where I began, it always it turns out it's about human-to-human contact. turns out that's the most efficacious way because a human can also discipline the child when their attention drifts. A screen only contributes to the drifting of the attention span, and that's just one, one of the many, many, many problems that we deal with when implementing technology with children. Brad, you know, it's interesting. I, my daughter, um, you know, her private uh, Christian school we sent her to, uh, very, mm-hmm. you know, academics were amazing. They didn't use the technology. Uh, they had a computer lab, but it wasn't very much of their time they spent in there at all. They were hard classroom. We took, we went on a field trip up to D.C., and our representative from, uh, came down to visit here um, and, and visited with the kids. And he pulled out his constitution out of his pocket, and he started to grill the kids and ask questions. And all of the kid, the kids from our school where my daughter went, everybody, they were nailing these answers left and right. <laughs> and I looked, the congressman was in shock that these children actually had education. And I was like, thank the <laughs> Lord for the ability to send yeah. my child to a school where the teachers actively care. And they are teaching them not on a computer screen, but actually teaching them history and things like that for the learn brad it was the it was the greatest feeling as a parent to actually watch <laughs> your children know the answers in our own history of our country and where we came from it was a beautiful thing and so brother i, I agree that technology and you know there was nights my daughter oh he's so you know this one teacher it's so hard he's always doing this but then i saw the reward of it i was thank yeah. god for great teachers <laughs> that's like right that who who care yeah. about children. Well, Brad, one of the things you and I had discussed about uh, when we were talking outside of the show is the speed now by which data is being transferred is now starting to change the way it affects the brain cells because we are at even a faster rate. Now we've got the 5G technology coming uh, out, and it's already out in some places. Brad, what is that now doing to us that's different than what has already been happening? Well, Frank, I'm uh, I'm going to be right up front. You know, as as a researcher and dealing in the academic area, as well as the ministry area, I, I'm very careful to cite my sources and to footnote everything when I write my books and so forth. And rightfully so, that's how it should be done. So, I just want to add a disclaimer that uh, what I'm about to say is I have not uh, yet obtained the research. I've only seen the conclusion. So I can't speak with any authority based on the research itself. I'm I'm trying desperately to get my hands on what I'm about to share with you. So I'm going to jump to the end of the research. I saw a neuroscientist while I was in Australia on television talking about, and it was in the context of Fortnite. Um, so to back up a little bit, the good news up to this point has been that when people detox, both from traditional drugs, if you catch it early – 
as well as from, from the digital drugs that we've all been talking about. When you do a baseline scan of a brain while they're addicted and then a subsequent scan after they have detoxed and gone completely without technology, including television, the brain scans are amazing. I mean, it's sort of like if you cut yourself, you wash that wound and pretty much leave it alone. In about three or four weeks, you don't even know you've cut yourself. The body, God has built this amazing thing as we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The body just heals itself. Well, as it turns out, the brain does the same thing. So we get better. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be 100%. It depends on how deep the addiction has gone and how long you've been on the drug and that sort of thing. But but there's always improvement, which is encouraging. And there's, the earlier you catch it, especially with a child, they're very resilient. Brain scans would show that the children would be pretty much okay. So this neuroscientist that I saw in Australia in the context of Fortnite, without me seeing her research, which I, I desperately want to get, she made this – and I trust her. She, she's legit. She made this statement that they're starting to find in some of the brain scans now, the brain cells are not regenerating, which means they have died. And I attribute that, and again, without the research, because it was in the context of Fortnite and we've been talking about the litigation and all this dopamine that's being produced, the, the, my, my uh, hypothesis is is that because of the, the extreme acceleration with virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, the brain does not adapt uh, that quickly, and certainly it doesn't evolve. I don't believe in evolution. I do believe in adaptation. But the brain has not adapted, and nor can it adapt that quickly because the speed with which technology is getting is, is exponential now, and the brain is slow. Neuroplasticity works. We do know very, very slowly. So the brain simply cannot keep up. So what, it, in a sense, what she was saying is through the digital technology in its current and I think future forms that we're seeing, we're killing the brain cells to where uh, up until now, it was as if when they become anhedonic, they change to a different state that's where they become numb and chemically messed up. But you can reverse much of that through a detox and through rewiring of the brain. But what she was saying is the brain cells now are dying, never to be regenerated again. So that scared me. Uh, I'm committed to continue to uh, get this research out there. I'm writing another book now uh, called Digital Rehab, and it's subtitled Digital Detox and Beyond. I'm trying to stay as much as I can on the cutting edge of this research that's coming out. I just did a research project myself, uh, finished it up two weeks ago at the University of South Africa. On the, uh, we're doing pathology work on the stress hormones that get released just from being connected to our phones 24-7, even if you don't, don't even pick it up, what that's doing to you. So the news is not good in the future. Uh, on one hand, people are excited about the development of Technology, frankly, it scares me because of the intrusiveness. And uh, I walked into Walmart when I was in Pennsylvania, came out, and there was a notification popped up. How was your experience at Walmart? I never gave any permissions for that to do a survey after I walked in there. It's just that sort of thing. And you were talking about the 5G and then the new Wi-Fi that's coming that will be satellite-based. And, you know, it's just it, it, it's scaring me. I was on a radio show a couple weeks ago, a three-hour radio show out of Texas. Somebody had cited me in a book about 5G, and um, the host was reading the book, and, and because of a reference made to me, she called me and invited me on her show. So there are a lot of people 
very concerned uh, about this, and it's I've even bled over into these areas that of engineering that that I don't specialize in. I'm not an engineer about 5G, but I've had to learn it like you have, Frank. That it, it, it we agree. I think it's just it's it's harming us. I've seen doctors testifying before um, their local law. I, I guess it would be their board of supervisors just begging to look into this and halt the implementation until uh, they can really ascertain what's going on because they have patients coming in uh, with clusters of all kinds of problems with their bowels and their skin and everything else. And, and yet the March just goes forward at, at a breakneck pace. And so I'm worried about it. I'll continue to write about it. And I'm, I'm thankful to you, Frank, for allowing me onto your platform so we can, can get the word out. It's, it's hard to get the word out. Everybody's so caught up in this digital revolution but we love people, we love God, and we want to serve God, and we want to serve his people, and we want to serve people who are not saved and, and invite them for healing as well. Well, Brad, that's an important part, and I want to kind of shift our discussion into that because we believe that through God all things are possible. There's not a single Amen. thing that the great physician cannot overcome, cannot heal, cannot change. Um, at the same time, we are called to an accountability of what we do. And, um, but Brad, the Bible talks about God's people dying for a lack, from a lack of knowledge. And I believe the important part is that knowing and understanding the science folks behind what's happening arms you and equips you now when you're going to prayer to understand what is actually going on out there. And when you actually understand that, you will become more aware when you are faced with these temptations and the actual damage. It's not just only um, falling to a sin uh, or a temptation, but there's actually consequences that are taking place in the brain. And I would rather know about that so that I could take active action in my prayer life when seeking the Lord. Than just simply saying, well, I just messed up. But no, something deeper is going on here, Brad, which you have shared with us that's so important. And, and, and now we get down to the real, the real reason behind this show, Brad, and that's deliverance. Mm -hmm. What's going on right now is killing the church. It's killing the members in the church. And folks, I'm not talking about whether you just go to a church, a physical place, or, or a, a gathering. I'm talking about those who call themselves believers that are a part of the ecclesia, the called out of God. That's the church. Okay, It doesn't have a title, but you're a member of it. And whatever form you meeting with people, whatever, we need to make a difference and a change right now in what's going on. Brad, the Statistics of pastors addicted to pornography, I heard it not that long ago, was absolutely mind-numbing. I, mm -hmm. I knew it was bad, but I didn't, I didn't realize it was quite that bad as it is. And, and right. Brad, I'm sure you know about that. And the, the thing is, it, we can talk about the problem, but we need to talk about the solution. And Brad, you talked about detoxing, getting off this stuff. What can happen? And even, folks, if you did kill some brain cells, folks, I killed a lot of brain cells growing up, all right, through marijuana, cocaine, crystal meth, whatever it was, okay? I was, and that was the real drug um, that I did. And I know some of those brain cells are gone forever, and, and you know, I can't bring them back. But I can make a change by God's grace to what I have left. Brad, 
what is this? What are we facing as believers? What do people do? Because I think people are wondering. All right, I'm trapped. I'm stuck. I'm addicted to my telephone. I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to uh, whatever form of. I'll tell you one of my my personal struggles, Brad, is news. Big addiction mm-hmm. to news. All right, for one right. of my huge addictions at times is news. Um, I have to actually recognize it uh, and back off of it because it can it can swell you know overtake me. Um, what right. do we do, Brad, when he's faced with this kind of stuff? Well. I will say neurobiologically, Frank, you know, there are things that what I'm about to say is it doesn't go down well, um, especially in audiences, even Christian audiences, but you have to stop. And when I say you have to stop the drug, the excuses start, as with any addict. Some of those excuses are valid. They'll say, well, my whole business is run off my phone. And what they're hoping, I think, I will say, Frank, is, well, you know, your brain will make an exception. You're providing for your family. That's noble. God will just protect you. Well, then there's the truth. The truth is your brain is not going to make an exception because you're providing for your family, and your brain is just going to get damaged because of the addiction. And so here's the answer. Neurobiologically, you have to stop. Now, we have a Christian word for that. It's called repent. So you stop, you turn around, you walk in a different direction. And then you're left with the question, well, how am I going to provide for my family? And that is a spiritual answer. If we do the right thing and we do it as unto the Lord and we make it a sacrifice of praise, I tell people prayer still works. Our Heavenly Father has not been caught off guard because we've done something dumb. He's not caught off guard because we've gotten ourselves into yet another mess. And just like all of the other messes that he has helped us to fix, including when he saved us when we didn't deserve it, I challenge and say, don't you think he knows that you need to run your business? If you are doing this digital activity and you give it up, for the sake of your relationship with Jesus, for the sake of your family and how you're interacting with them because you're an addict now, but you decide to turn around and walk in a different direction, and that is toward God, don't you think he will help you fix this mess just like he has all the previous ones that you've created? Of course he will. And that's a faith issue. And so some people say, well, that's just so extreme to say, get rid of my phone. Well, I say it's extreme for you to trash your brain, trash your family, and then you can't function and even have a job. And so it's just a matter of how you want to define extreme. There are many things that I've gotten myself into and dependent upon but had to back out of it. And yes, there was a suffering for a while because of the consequences of what I have done. But every single time, the God who loves me, who loves this audience, has helped me. And in most cases has even caused crop failure from the bad seed that I planted. That's called grace. God's grace, his amazing, undeserved, unmerited favor is still available when we decide to repent and we become dependent economically, relationally, and everything else on anything. And we're talking in this context of technology. God still intervenes. And that's a faith issue. But neurobiologically, we will not get over it until we do what we have to do. So when we've lost control, 
you know, you, you don't necessarily have to go check into a detox center and have a bunch of psychoanalysis done on you. Basically, if you got a good church family, the koinonia, the fellowship. When, when I was looking at porn many years ago, I simply went to three ministers. I say simply, it was hard, but I humbled myself. I confessed it, and then I yielded everything first to God and then to these men to come into my home to check on me at random times. And when I did that, Frank, the power of that sin broke. But to be honest, I was left with the images. And to this day, I've had to manage those images quite successfully, I might add, as time has gone on. But I had to humble myself, and I had to do whatever it took. And that means if those guys were said to me, give me your laptop for three weeks or a month or whatever, I would have done it. And I would have just trusted God with everything else. What else can you do? And as it turns out, God, because I humbled myself, I put the boundaries in place, God delivered me. He really did. And so the answer is not as much neurobiological as it is what's been staring at us in the face all along if you've been staring at your Bible. The answers are still spiritual. They're still from the inerrant God-breathed word called the Scriptures. So you start by humbling yourself, and you give everything, including the addiction and the dependencies, whether it be economic dependencies. You have to turn those over to God, and God will promise to look after us. And so detox, there are 400 digital detox rehab centers in South Korea. So I want to speak to the parents on detoxing the children because they're not going to do it themselves. And parents avoid this like the plague because they're avoiding confrontation. Nobody likes it. But if you are a good parent, you will not allow that child to be your friend. You will be that child's parent. And that that friendship model of parenting has got to go away. So that's the first thing I would say to parents. They're not your friend. They're your child. And they need a parent. They can You can be friends with them later. But right now, your job is to get them through this very difficult dilemma, which means you get your own self sorted. Because you have a prefrontal cortex that will allow you to go to someone and say, please take this from me and help me. A child doesn't. So once the parent acknowledges they are addicted, because most parents that I know are addicted either to video games and or social media. They deal with theirs first, set the right example, and then they go to their child with compassion and kindness and explain to them why they will never ever touch another video game as long as they live under that household ever again. That child is going to have an angry explosion most often. Not all will, but the vast majority. Uh, in my work with law enforcement, the kids are tearing up the homes. They're punching holes in the walls. They're doing all this stuff. But in about three weeks, their brain resets, and all that goes away. And you, the, what I'm saying, Frank, there's no easy answer. People want the easy answer for this. They want a pill. You can go get antidepressants, but then after about six weeks – to two months, then they're going to do more blood work, and they're going to have to keep upping the ante with this sort of stuff, and you have a Band-Aid, a temporary fix. But until you get to the root of the problem and get free of the addiction with God's help, it's not going to happen. So the last thing I'll say on this subject, we always talk about grace, and we should, because that's the only thing that's going to fix us, the unmerited, undeserved forgiveness and, and favor that God will give us. But we often forget that that word grace in the original language, also means the power of God to accomplish what he's asking you to do. So not only is a good God going to help you get out of the mess 
by forgiving you for what we even created, but he's also going to give you his power, his undeserved power to carry through with this repentance. He's not going to even just leave it all up to you to do it. He's going to walk you through that with his strength and his power as well. So God loves us, and we don't deserve it. If we reach our hands up, he comes down and takes them, and he pulls us up into his arms, and he holds us tight. And we're his child. And just like the earthly children that humans have, and you would do anything in the world to see them well, God's going to do that not only for you, but for your children. And so that's the ultimate solution. But the will in terms of the brain science is you have to stop the madness. You cannot balance it. The three words that scare me, Frank, the top three words that scare me are limit, balance, and neutral. Most of the time when I start talking like this, they say, oh, no, no, it's all about limiting it or balancing it. And and with drug addiction, there is no balance. A parent will say, well, I'll just – I only allow my child to play video games for two hours on Saturday if they've been good during the week. And I'll say, you do realize that cocaine is bad on Saturday just like it is on, let's say, Tuesday. And they look at me quizzically, and I'm like, if you don't think correctly about this, you're, you will never live correctly. It sounds noble. It sounds good to withhold during the week and give them some reward time on Saturday. But then there's this pesky little thing called the truth. Neurobiologically, you are still giving them cocaine during that two-hour session on Saturday, and that's immoral, and that's not good. And I'm not trying to be harsh. The truth is the only thing, Frank, that frees us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I agree. Thank you, Brad. And and folks, I'm going to ask Brad here in a moment to pray because this whole Brad's mission, if you don't know anything about him, is not just to bring awareness, but to see lives change through the power of Jesus Christ. Brad actively travels around to different places and different churches to speak on this because the body of Christ in many places is dying, and it's unfortunate. And it's time we make a change. And he's and he's right. Folks, it is time. You have to make this decision in life that says, I am choosing God above the things of this world. And and Brad, you know, like I was talking about, one of my big struggles is is news. And I've I've learned this not, you know, through your uh uh talks in the past, Brad, and through other things that I'll catch myself just scanning the headlines. And not always reading the articles because I'm just getting a quick fix to stimulate myself by right. just getting a quick fact out there, you know, and so I can mm-hmm. I can continue to move on. And when I recognize this, folks, and I'll tell you, I'm in an extremely difficult position because I have been trying to find a flip phone that will only support email, Brad, because I'm honestly <laughs> I'm sick of technology. And I run mm-hmm. an MSP. You know, I've got employees. We do technology. And think, why do you hate technology so much? I'm like, because I know the damage that it can do upon people when mm-hmm. it comes to personal addiction. And and I sometimes, honestly, Brad, in my mind, I'm like, I hate this thing. I just have been looking for something to, you know, get free from even having to do. You know, they're basically the two things that I, I, my work requires. I have to be able to get on email and I travel a lot and I have to have GPS. And, mm-hmm. but 
I don't need all the other stuff. I don't need right. it. The only reason I have to have emails is because I have to respond to customers during the day. But then you deal with, well, why do you have to respond at night? And then the excuses kick in. Well, if something happens, I need it. So, Brad, what I'm trying to say is I can make up those same excuses as everybody else. But at the end of the right. day, they're simply excuses. But the truth is God is calling us to something better. Um, folks, when I go to Africa and I'm in the mountains of Africa and I'm going door to door and sharing the gospel, walking up you know, 5,000 plus feet up in the mountains over there and don't have the technology, don't have anything. Brad, I realize after it takes about two days, but about the second to third day, you feel this release that happens. Mm -hmm. It's an unbelievable feeling that comes over That's you right. when you realize that you've now been separated from the cares of the world. A hundred percent, and it is – Brad, it's so liberating, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking now I'm free to minister without any interruptions, without right. any – I've experienced that up there, and folks, I'm trying to share this because if you allow this technology to overrun your life, and I don't care what your addiction is, okay, porn – Drugs, whatever, I, it doesn't matter. I've done everything, okay? So, and Brad can tell you, he's done it all too. The thing That's is, right. though, you will die spiritually if you don't make a change. And God is calling us out. And so, Brad, I'm, what I want to do is I want to bring focus to that listener that's in their heart right now. They're too ashamed to go to anybody. There, there's, a, there's some things going on that they, they're so embarrassed about. And right. then the thought that maybe God doesn't love me anymore, even though he said while we were yet sinners, he died for us. But now that <laughs> they've done this, they think they're beyond grace anymore. Right. And they just don't know where to turn and what to do, Brad. And I'm, I'm going to ask if you could pray and minister to that group of people right now because it's such a large amount of people. Right. Frank, uh, thank you for that. Listen, um, if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking you're one of those that the grace, the well of grace for you has run dry, I'm going to speak the the truth to you, biblically speaking, which is a truth that is supersedes your truth and my truth. It's the ultimate truth. It's what has to supplant everything we think. The truth is there's only one unpardonable sin, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I can promise you something. If you've been able to listen to this entire podcast while we've been talking about the Lord and talking about these things, I promise you, you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Because if you would have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you would have been turned over to a reprobate mind, and you, there would be no openness in you. It would be nothing but mocking. But you've been listening to this the whole time, and something deep inside of you says, you know what, I hope that's for me. Well, that hope can mushroom and blossom because you've not blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He does love you. And before I pray, I'll give you this illustration. I had become through all this technology because I do have a computer science degree in addition to all this other uh, stuff that I do. I had become numb, burned out, anhedonic, it's medically called. And one of the things that I suffered from was an emotional detachment from my wife. Now, I loved her. I didn't get divorced. There's none of that. I, did, I loved her, but feelings had shut down, and really it had shut down toward everything. I was bored with everything except the screen. 
one of the things that happened through that burnout was I was healed because I got to a point where I could not function. I could not function with technology. I'd sit in front of the screen and immediately have a, I'll nearly have a panic attack. It got that bad with me. So that forced me into a rest. And miraculously, my brain healed, my spirit healed. And one of the things that returned was this unbelievable, unbelievable emotional attachment. It, re, it just reappeared toward my wife, Beth. And I knew that I was being healed because I would much rather hold her in my arms and go out to eat with her, go up on the parkway or in the national park or somewhere and just hold her hand. What I'm trying to say to you is the metaphor between us and God is a marriage. We're the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. And one of the things that happened to me also was this intimacy that I originally started off with Jesus when I became saved. And I was devouring every book, Christian book I could get my hands on related to things I was going through, the Bible being the first one. And for hours I would sit there in this communion with Jesus, very mystical, hard to put into English words, but this connection, just like, just like with an earthly marriage. And that's what God wants for you as a listener of this podcast, the benefits of detoxing, this incredible warmth, knowing that you're loved by God, the family restoration because the feeling of love, despite all the, <laughs> all the frailties and humanity of our spouse and the kids and all the dumb things, we do, there's a love that just overrides it all that comes from God that will return to you. These are the benefits that you will get by detoxing and getting on with God. And then technology will naturally find its place in a non-addictive space for you. There's healing, in other words. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Frank allowing me on his platform here. And I pray for this audience, this precious audience that will hear this. Lord, I just ask in the mighty name of Jesus for the grace of God, which is the power of God, to detox to repent, to turn around, get rid of the excuses, and then get rid of the excuses again, and to get on with this thing of walking back toward you. I do pray for the practical things of this audience. Lord, there are people who are dependent upon the technology for their business and for their education and whatever, but just like Frank has found his balance and fights that battle, help this audience to fight this battle. We cannot do it on our own, but assure them, Lord, and especially the one who feels like the well of grace has run dry for them. In this moment, let them feel and know the embrace through the power of the Holy Spirit of the love of God, the unconditional agape love of God. Just visit the one, the parent whose child is completely lost to gaming, and they're afraid of that child now because of the aggression. They're literally afraid. Lord, give them the courage and help them to surround themselves with other members of the body of Christ who are strong but loving, who will help to pry that child away from these games and take a six-weeks detox. And then, Lord, let healing come. Give the courage and the strength and the faith to follow through with whatever detox is needed on a personal level for their children or whatever it is, Lord, let them know they're not alone. It's not something that they have to do 
by themselves, but there are people known as the body of Christ who will help. And most importantly, you are the great physician who will just intervene. So God bless this audience. Touch Frank. Bless his family. Protect them, Jesus. Pour your spirit out on this podcast and can keep it going. Finance it, Lord, and bless it and let it continue to touch this precious audience. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Lord, I just want to agree for a moment here in closing. Lord, for too long, too many, we've tried to fight against sin. And Lord, you said to seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things mm. would be added unto you. Unto us. So, Lord, I pray right now that all those that are listening would stop trying to fight the sin and would begin to seek the kingdom. Yes. Lord, seeking God with all of their heart, even in its imperfection at times, Lord, even in, when they hear the spirit of condemnation, Lord, that instead of listening to it, they would seek your kingdom, Lord. And God, I know that if they would look up and they would focus everything on you, that in turn you will overcome. Is Lord, fighting sin directly is a losing battle, but seeking the Lord and allowing him to fight is guaranteed victory. Yes. Lord, I thank you for this, and we re rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus of condemnation that comes in and says, you've gone too far. You can't, you, you can't be free because you've sinned too much against God. And, and Lord, the fact that their hearts are open right now knows that the spirit of God is still working. Their conscience is still saying, come back home, Lord. Let them not fall. Let none of us, Lord, listen to that, but to know that God is calling us right Amen. now. I yes. thank you for the power of deliverance, of understanding, Lord, what this is doing to the brain so that, Lord, we can make a decision that, you know what, God, messed up in the past, but from this moment forward, I'm going to make a change. Not in my strength, but I am going to seek God, and he will fight for me. Lord, I thank you that the right arm of the Lord is not too short that it can't still save. Yes. Thank you for that. We claim it in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Brad, thank you Frank, so much. We live at the end of the age, brother. And yes, I appreciate we're at the this end. podcast. We are. And I just thank you for being out, you know, being here uh, for these people, for the remnant. And it's, it's just been an honor to be with you, my friend. Brad, quickly, share how people can keep up with what you're doing. And folks, listen, uh, we, you know the Remnant Call. We don't ask for money. We don't do any of that stuff. We rarely even promote a book. But if you've not read Digital Cocaine and seen the dark side of technology and stuff, I highly recommend it. Uh, even not if for yourself, but to share with somebody that has an issue. Brad, how can people keep up with what you're doing in your ministry? Yeah, thanks, Frank. I appreciate that. I have a website. It's it's bradhuddleston.com, bradhuddleston.com, and uh, at the top of the, the page there, you'll see a, a button uh, for ordering or shopping, and the book and my DVD series on pornography, digital cocaine is all there, and I have a podcast as well, uh, like you do, and I have a contact button if people want to email me, and I'm happy to answer emails if, if, if I have, if I don't know the answer, I know a lot of people that I can get answers from, so bradhuddleston.com and uh, we have a, an email that we send out a newsletter e-newsletter that we send out because we're not totally against technology we do use it, it it's sparingly but uh, thank you for that frank it's bradhuddleston.com 
All right. Well, thank you. God bless you, Brad, for coming on here with us tonight. And folks, keep looking up. I know that there feels like it's the end of the world. It feels like sometimes you can't break free, but the darkest hour is right before dawn, and God is in the business of deliverance. Folks, this is Brother Frank and Brad Huddleston on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Thank you.